Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Welcome, everyone, to a fresh episode of GTF, Gabriel Talks Football. A quick programming note, tonight at 5.50 p.m. Central Time, it's the Willis Twin Towers uh, podcast. I see that they've been in the chat room, and so you'll want to check out their show to get their take on everything that's happening at Hallis Hall. And I want to thank everyone for their patience who's been in the chat uh, chat room, about 100 people uh, waiting for Greg, so let's not keep you in suspense anymore. Greg Gabriel, there you are. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good. Frustrated because, you know, we've had technical difficulties, I think because of the weather. We had, you know, we had, right before my wife went to work, we had like three power surges Mm. and then like one right after another. And then the power went out three to five minutes and nothing's worked right since. You know, I couldn't get hooked up with you to do this. So I'm doing it on my phone. I can't, and my phone's out of juice. So I got my phone hooked up to the computer and I can't use the headphones. So, hey, we're doing the best we can here. Well, as long as you're doing you a great job. Me, I don't care if you can see my ugly face as long as you can hear me. <laughs> well, you're looking quite dapper today. What hat is that you're wearing? Uh, this is uh, my one Buffalo hat. Because the Bills are in the playoffs this week. There you hey, go. I got, I, got, I got some news. Uh-huh. I was okay. talking to um, texting back and forth with Jerry Angelo just a little bit while ago while we were waiting for this to get worked out. Right. And uh, I said, hey, big dog, you want to come on in a couple of weeks? He said, oh, absolutely. So <laughs> I um, love it. <laughs> just let me know when. So um, he, uh, Jerry will come on, and and Olin owes us a date. That's right, Olin does. And both Kyle and, Long and, and Olin, so, yes. Uh, and I'm doing Olin's show next Wednesday. Uh, Jason uh, Jason McKee called me the other day. He wanted me to do it this Wednesday, you know, right after the fire. I said, no, not today. So um, I'm doing that one. So now he owes me a double. So we'll get Olin on <laughs> soon, too. It. And I uh, wouldn't mind having McKee back on again in the near future. Uh, he did an outstanding job in the oh, uh, pre Jason's and post game radio show. Yeah, he's a he got he guy. got Carmel High School to I think state quarters mm-hmm. before they lost. You know, he, he's got a you know Carmel was up. They were a, a state champion at one time when my my stepsons went there, or right after my stepsons went there. But then, you know, they were kind of middle of the road and and. Jason's got him back. He's got some pretty good players there. Excellent. Excellent. I'd love to go out and see a game next season. All right. Let's talk about what has transpired with the Chicago Bears over the last several days. We did talk about the Packers game, so we can file that away. And now what I want to get your thoughts on. That was last year. That's over. 
Yes, that's forward. done. <laughs> Please. I don't want to think about 2023 anymore. I want to think about 2024. I want your overall impressions on the press conference that had Ryan Pose and Matt Eberflus making the announcement of the coaching changes. And then that was followed up with Kevin Warren. The stage is yours. Tell us what you thought. Well, I, all honesty, I didn't hear much of Kevin. The um, guy's a hell of a salesman, though. He really is. <laughs> oh, man. He, 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 he could sell you a lake in the middle of a desert. Um, <laughs> the, I, had, I had a dental appointment. had to have a crown put on. So I'm, like, listening to the last part of the uh, the uh, Fluce and Paul's presser. And then the, the first couple minutes – of Kevin, and then I had to go in there, and I haven't been able to rewatch it. I did rewatch the uh, Poles and Flues presser that night. Uh, I liked it. I hated some of the questions. I thought, and I, I <laughs> I'm not, I'm not surprised. Yes, I was going to write about it yesterday in Windy City. Instead, I just gave like a recap of what I heard and, and my feelings on what I heard, but. I'll tell you what, if it was me sitting in that room and Potash asked me that question about Stroud, my top would have came right off. Mm -hmm. Uncalled for question, unfair yes. question, and it shows how fucking clueless the man is. Yeah. Okay. Totally. And, and first of all, if you want to compare, Stroud's a good quarterback. I'm not going to take anything away from him. Okay. If you want to compare Stroud at Ohio State to Fields at Ohio State, there is no comparison. It's not even close. Look at the numbers. Look at what Fields was able to accomplish at Ohio State. And don't say Fields had a better supporting cast because Stroud had a great supporting cast. You know, he had Marvin Harrison to throw to. Yes, Fields had a lot of it. But, you know, very, very equal. Fields mm -hmm. beat Ohio or beat Michigan twice, kicked their ass twice. Right. Stroud got his ass kicked twice by Michigan. Couldn't get him into the playoffs. Couldn't win a big game. Don't tell me they're the same player. Okay, so anyway, he gets into a very, very good situation at Houston. A good coach brought in a excellent young offensive coordinator that knew how to coach, knew yes. how to use him to his strengths, and he played well. Well, what does Justin not have? A good freaking offensive coach. Mm -hmm. Okay, so why do you think they made the change? I mean, it speaks for itself. I talked to a guy who's down in Houston, close to the situation, and about that, and he goes, hell, he goes, everything they did with the guy made sense. You know, he, he goes, they tried to keep it simple. They had him playing under center. They did. He goes, he didn't have to do half the stuff that Fields was being asked to do. And then, and then you throw in what they were trying to do offensively. He goes, he was set up to fail. Where Stroud was set up to have success. And that is a big, and this is an impartial observer who said this. And so, you know, I, who knows what the future of Justin Fields is going to be. Right. I, you know, I said based on, what I heard, I heard at least five different votes of confidence for him between Flus, Poles, and Kevin Warren. 
They all did. And then later that night, I get a text from Mark Rohde. And, you know, Mark's been covering that. He was a sideline reporter for a few years, been covering the team. So he knows what's going on. He said, Greg, he said, I wasn't prepared for this. He said, there wasn't a doubt in my mind that they wanted to move on from Justin Fields until I went into that press conference. And I came out thinking they're doing everything they can to keep them here. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was a you know pretty interesting comment. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I did get that feeling too. There were a couple of times, you know, Ryan Post said, you know, we have to do due diligence with the, the quarterbacks and so forth, which of absolutely. course they have to. You know, I'm sure they're doing background checks on all these guys. They've started that whole process of, you know, collecting information on their leadership skills because that's something that Ryan underlined at that press conference about the human aspect of it. And then when so when you evaluate Justin Fields and that leadership human aspect, they love him. They love him. And I so think let religion. Me, let me add another story. So I get another text. And I had started it, and I said, it's pretty obvious they're trying to do everything they can. And this different guy, different mm-hmm. station, strong opinions. And I, and I appreciate that. I like, I like the guy. But I'm not going to mention his name. And, <laughs> but he's like, I want him out of here. I want Flus out of here. They, they, they made mistakes. Okay, fine. That's his opinion. But he goes, I know for a fact they're taking Caleb number one. I go, you're full of shit. He goes, I've already been told. The decision's been made. I came back again. I said, not only are you full of shit, you're outright lying. And that's exactly what I said to him. I said, I'm the wrong person to try to say that to. I've done this for the last 42 years of my life. No decision is being made on January 10th for what they're going to do on April 28th or whatever the hell the day of the draft is. I said, you know, that decision is going to be made in April. And when they get all the information, not just, well, he looks like the best of tape. I said, not only that, they don't even have a preliminary draft board set up. They got guys set in areas. These guys got first round, some first round grades. These guys got some second round grades. These guys got some third round grades. You know, like Courtney Cronin asked him, you know, and, and about that. And he said, well, four, but... You know, he wasn't even thinking what he said. And then he came back and he goes, well, it's really more than that. But that's areas. But they haven't slapped. First of all, the coaches haven't even gotten involved in the process yet. They're just starting. You know, they'll go to the East-West game. They'll, They'll go to the senior bowl. They'll go to the combine. They'll do private workouts. They'll do their own tape study. Their grades or their evaluations aren't even in the system yet. It's all part of a very long, drawn out, slow, methodical process that you have to follow step by step by step. When you skip a step, you fuck up and you make a mistake. So, and that includes, and and I'm glad Ryan said it, it includes very extensive background check. And we're not just talking personal character. We've talked about it a million times. Personal character, how you live your life. You're a good person. You're a bad person. You're a criminal. Do you do community service? You know, that type of stuff. 
Okay, then there's football character. And, and, and you know how many times they've said, we got to have guys that love football. That's what football character is about. You do anything for that game. It's like one of the most important things in your life. You've got a strong passion for the game. You want to be a great player. And you have to have all these questions answered. If you're playing for the money, you'll last a little while because you have talent. But it's going to come out. Michael Haynes, perfect example. We missed on Michael Haynes. Great guy. His personal character, way up here. His football character, in the fucking gutter. Okay? He didn't love football. Our mistake. It cost the scout a job. Because he was responsible for getting that. And he, and he didn't get it right. You know, we held our scouts accountable to that you can miss on the talent evaluation because we've got people to back you up. There's going to be a lot of reports. You're the guy going into the school. You better get that stuff right. I can't hear you yet. You muted yourself. I'm sorry. I didn't want anyone to hear me uh, blow my nose. Um, so that's a great, great point that I didn't realize, and maybe a lot of our followers didn't realize, is the, uh, the, the area scout that is responsible for talking to head coaches, assistant coaches, training staff, friends, family, you have it. They have the onus of providing the character report on that particular player. Everyone well, is looking me, at the tape. Just, let me correct that just a little bit. That's okay. the way we did it. Okay, okay? Gotcha. I can't say exactly how. Now, if you're going to have, you always can get other, like if I got a good relationship at a certain, even though I didn't go to the school when I was here as, as a scouting director, but I had relationships that I had built with people at that school. Sure as hell, I'm going to pick up the phone and call him or go see him. You got to talk to as many people as you can. And you have to talk to people on the periphery. You know, know the good people are to talk to? Not the coach. The coach is always going to oversell the kid. It's to yeah. his benefit to oversell the kid. Mm -hmm. Okay, talk to the people where it's, I don't give a shit, <laughs> you know, one way or the other. Talk to the equipment guy. Equipment guy's with him more than anybody else in the building they're always in the locker room where are they going when they're not in bed or they're not at a bar drinking they're in the damn locker room that's where they live that's where they converse with their buddies so you know they spend time in the locker room every single day and the equipment room is connected to the locker room the equipment manager knows everything Mm, that's great. I mean, okay. the can trainer you... knows a lot. Yeah. Okay. Now, a, a person on the periphery that some people just don't think about talking to, but they're very important because they know how seriously the kid takes life. The mm -hmm. academic advisor. That's the person helping them get through school. Yeah. They yeah. know where his priorities are at. And mm -hmm. you know what? Even though they're working for the program, they're going to be real, real honest with you, 99% of them, because they're not thinking, in all honesty, they, I don't even think they know what they're telling you. But they're, <laughs> they're spilling their guts. Interesting.
Uh, interesting question from Laz. He says, wouldn't the equipment guy get fired if he badmouths the guy? Um, it's a good question, but how are they going to know? Mm-hmm. You, you, these are done in private, you know. I'm yeah. not like if, if you're the equipment manager at Northwestern and I want to talk to you, think I'm going to do it in front of 20 people? <laughs> yes, no. <laughs> yeah, hey, no I'll, way. Give me your cell phone. I want to give you a call tonight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Privately. Good scouts know how to get good information. Yeah. And you know what? And it's, and it's, it takes time. We kept our guys, and I think we did a, a, a pretty good job drafting. Let me speak for yourself. We drafted 12 pro bowlers. Yeah, we missed on some. You know, that, that's on us, too. But we still, over that period, I think we have more pro bowlers than any other team in the league. So, but I lost my whole train of thought. See, this, my, my age is catching up to me here. <laughs> Everybody's uh, wondering what coffee you had this morning because you're so fired up. <laughs> I don't drink coffee. What are you drinking in there right now? What what's in there? Is there a little vodka? Water. <laughs> you think Ooch it's straight coach. up? <laughs> Ooch coach. Uh, I just want to let people know because they're already asking questions. You're going to talk about some of the offensive coordinator candidates. In fact, you have pl- uh, promised us that once a decision was made regarding the offensive coordinator or head coach or something like that, you would talk about any potential candidates. Uh, based on the fact that we know for sure we're, we're going to get a new one. So do you want to start that now, or do you have more to share? Yeah, no, uh, well, we know of two. There's been two names given. Right. Um, I know a good amount about one. No, nothing as far as I've never met the guy about the other. Uh, never met either. Uh, but... I have a friend who's worked with one, and that's Shane Waldron. And mm-hmm. so I called the guy, and now I'm going to have to. You're going to lose me, but you can hear me because I'm going to have to. That's fine. Yes. Here. Get into your text, um, and uh, I got an image of Shane Waldron up on the screen. Uh, he okay. Is- so I said. Um, Blank, and I can tell you it was. Okay. How good is Waldron? Going to get interviewed here for OC. Came back. Did a fantastic job for us. Complete package as a teacher, team guy, and can shred defenses. He said, um, very smart, intelligent, easy to get along with. Players love him. And Belichick originally trained him. Okay. So now we can oh. let me get out of that and get on. Okay. Uh, let me get back in here. Now, That's a lot of people have thing. him as a top candidate. Yeah. So here's now here's the other good thing. And I think this is a theme. This part's important. And we could be off base. There's been two names mentioned. Him and Clint Kubiak. What do Clint Kubiak and Waldron have in common? Uh, the Shanahan. They run Off-base. the same offense as the Bears have already been running. Yes. Okay, so it, it's the changeover from coaches. If, say, one of those guys or another guy 
from that area or that school, say, gets selected, the changeover is going to be very simple for the players. Now, and I'm reading between the lines, and people have been harassing me on, on X for two days, um, <laughs> at, which is fine. And who do you think that benefits? It benefits JF. Yeah. It keeps everything simple. All he's going to do now is learn how to play freaking football within this scheme versus what's gone on the last two years. Now, let's go back to Wednesday. Who got let go? Well, basically, the people we thought were going to get let go. Quarterback coach, offensive coordinator, wide receiver coach. Why the wide receiver coach? Well, what position underachieved the last two years? Yeah. Drafted players, traded for a player. None of them have done shit since they came in here. And on top of that, Darnell Mooney, who averaged like 70 catches a year his first two years in the league or 68 or something like that, has yep. regressed. Well, who are you going to blame for that? Mm-hmm. Is that on the players? Because we've talked about that. I said, you can't tell me that this guy could do this in, in 20 and 21, and then in 20 and 20, or 22 and 23, he's a totally different player. <clears throat> There's something missing here. Absolutely. Okay, so they, they trade for Chase Claypool. It turned out being an awful trade. And I'm glad Brian brought that up, too. He goes, you know, that's on him. Uh, I, you know, I, he said, basically, he said he peed down his leg on that one. He did. Okay. He was depressed about it, he said. Yeah. Hmm? He uh, Post said that he was depressed about it. And a lot of people yeah. in the chat room. You know what? You know, we take this shit personally. Yeah, we don't want to make mistakes. I've done mm-hmm. this long. You get you beat up yourself more than any fan's going to beat you up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people in the chat room are saying they really appreciate it when polls uh, admitted that he made a mistake and and that he was upset about it. That that shows authenticity. Authenticity that shows that he cares, and, and that's that's big with fans. We want that that truth. So. But then, you know, with, with obviously the, the quarterback coach is kind of like an extension of the coordinator. They're mm-hmm. working together very, very close. And Fields was not playing up to his capability. And there was, it, it, yet it wasn't getting better. And of course, we know the play calling, excuse me, was atrocious. Mm-hmm. So, that's what they got. That's what they got rid of. Plus, you know, the running back coach was gone during the year for strictly for HR things, but because he was a pretty good coach, you got got to be fair with that. Um, so almost of, of the main throw out the support guys, you know, your quality control and assistant assistants and things like that. It's pretty much half your staff, or maybe even more than half your offensive staff of the key guys. You know, the only guys that's to keep the tight end coach <coughs> and Chris Morgan, the offensive line coach. <clears throat> now, I heard Olin on the score yesterday saying he really thinks Morgan's a good coach. He likes mm-hmm. Chris Morgan, but he didn't think that was a good idea. He thinks the OC should pick the offensive line coach. 
Okay. I disagree with Owen on that because number one, it's the head coach's final decision. Right. Could the, should the OC have a say? Yes. But, and here's where I started to really think about this. It looks as if they're going to do everything they can to stay in a very similar system. Mm-hmm. And they already know that they have a damn good offensive line coach who can work within that system. And who's to say that the guy, the coordinator might say is his lead guy is going to be any better than Chris Morgan. We don't know the answer to that. Okay. And on top of that, a lot of times, you know, coaches don't have as broad a band, so to speak, as, as, as personnel people, whatever. And, you know, they want to pick their friends, um, guys they trust, but are they necessarily the best guy? And you, in my opinion, and where I disagree with Olin, I'll probably argue with him and have to have an iron shield in front of my face when I do it. When I'm on, Be careful. When I'm on a show on, on Wednesday, um, is that when you know you got somebody good, you don't get rid of them. Mm-hmm. That's my. I mean, that, that's my opinion. Mm. Interesting. So, but you know, next like Kubiak's coming in. What makes Kubiak really interesting, he has been a coordinator, mm-hmm. but when you get into the the in-depth part of this scheme, his dad yeah. made the scheme. This kid was born in the scheme. Yeah. This was yeah. a Mike Shanahan, Gary Kubiak scheme that that um, young Shanahan runs, McVeigh runs, LaFleur runs. You're getting it right from the from the creator. Mm-hmm. And so that is a very, very interesting choice. Now he can he can all because they're playing next week. I don't think he can. I know on head coaches, head coaches cannot interview in person right now. Okay. It, it, unless they're totally out of a job. I say anybody who's working for somebody has to be a Zoom interview until after next week's games, not this weekend's games. So I'm not sure if that is an effect for assistant coaches or just head coach candidates, but I would think because Kubiak is working for San Francisco, he's the passing game coordinator, not the offensive coordinator, Mm -hmm. but Shanahan is, is the real offensive coordinator. Um, um, a quick question here. Uh, according to somebody in the chat room, and I lost where I put it, uh, it was actually Olin said on David Kaplan's podcast that he thinks the offensive line coach, Morgan, should at least interview for that OC job. Your thoughts on that? Okay, I, he did not say that when he was on the uh, on Spiegel and Parkins mm-hmm. yesterday. Okay. but And I didn't hear the whole interview, but he, he, he went out of his way to say he's really impressed with Morgan as a coach. Right. He just thinks that the OC should be the guy picking him, and, mm-hmm. and that's where he and I disagree because right. ultimately it's the head coach's staff, not the OC staff. Right. So, right. But, but do you think that Morgan should interview for the offensive coordinator job? 
Um, you know, in all honesty, I can't answer that because I don't know what his background is on some of that. He's been like a career offensive line coach. Right. And I was talking to a guy because we were, we were talking about JJ McCarthy, the, the Michigan coach, Michigan quarterback. And he's very familiar with him. Mm -hmm. And he really likes him and thinks he has a bright future. He said, the butt is you haven't seen how good he can be. And I said, well, why? He goes, got a fucking offensive line coach calling the plays. And that's exactly <laughs> how he said it. And he calls him like an offensive line coach. That's hilarious. <laughs> so, um, uh. you know, and, and which I, I, I really thought was interesting, you know, mm -hmm. that take. And so he said, you just haven't seen him be put in a situation that, that where he can really show what he has. Mm -hmm. And uh, in fact, the same guy was involved. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but as long as we got it, he was involved in recruiting Drake May coming out of high school. Says he knows him real well. Interesting. Loves the character. Great kid, better family, very mm -hmm. smart. But then he goes, yeah. and he used a phrase I've never heard before. Because, we, we, you know, we talked about Caleb. We talked about <clears throat> JJ. We talked about um, Drake May. He said, now all these guys need time in the incubator. They ain't ready to play. Right. It's just the term, need time in the incubator. That just, <laughs> it's like they're premature, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Got to warm uh, our ass up. But um, it's it just the the entire comment mm -hmm. was... I think quite comical to me, just the way that the term you use. Or you some time to be incubator. I love it. All right, let's talk about some of these other names that we're we've been hearing and that people in the chat room have been throwing around. What about Frank Reich? Well, you know, I think Frank. Everybody would think Frank is a a, a candidate because of the relationship he has with flukes right and frank is an excellent offensive coach he's got a proven track record he's got a proven track record in developing quarterbacks so why wouldn't he now the only thing is is that frank doesn't run the scheme they currently play in flukes is obviously you know, knows what, what Frank wants to do and doesn't want to do. They worked together for five years. The, or four years anyway. And does Frank actually want to coach? He's, he's like drawing salaries from two teams. There's nothing. <laughs> so, you know, he's hit the lottery. <laughs> he has. <laughs> he's, over, he's over 60. He doesn't have to work if he doesn't want to. But, and I, I, I can't say I know Frank. I've met Frank a couple times, once when he was young in Buffalo. Last time I had any conversation with him, and it was short. I mean, Frank, if, if, if he walked into the room now, he probably wouldn't even remember me. But in training camp 2019, I spent two and a half days at Indy. Because, you know, I was working for D.C. in the XFL, and I 
the six training camps, uh, including Chicago. And, and, you know, some of our other staff went to other ones, but we were hitting all the camps, looking for guys who were going to probably get cut. And what was interesting about that is that the first day I was there was the first day that Andrew Luck missed practice. It was also the first day of his last day because he never practiced again. But nobody knew that was going to be the case. Uh, mm. and, and Frank was was very, very cordial, very nice. But a, a, an interesting story, because you all know that, that Ballard and I are close. And Chris told me this just a few weeks ago. And Chris's son is a freshman quarterback, true freshman quarterback at the University of Kansas. Because of injuries there, he ended up having to start two games as a true freshman, really played good. But the other, the even more interesting part is his son's name is Cole. Cole is, didn't like Ballard. Ballard's short and kind of stocky. Cole's like six two and a half, two twenty, you know, and, and built and athletic, uh, long, got a cannon for an arm. And I've known the kid since he's been like four years old. So, in fact, Chris said, Chris said to me once, he goes, the thing I keep remembering about you and Cole, he said, we went to this Mexican restaurant in Houston and you and him are arguing. And it's like, what the hell is he arguing with a four-year-old? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I argue. So anyway. You like that, huh? <laughs> he, uh, Cole was hurt a lot of his junior and senior year. He had a uh, broken hand his senior year. Not a good injury to have when you're a quarterback. And he played through it. But, um, you know, he still played with it. But, you know, it wasn't as good as he could be. He had a back issue. And part of it was because he grew so much between his sophomore and his junior year and shot up to over 6'2". Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Frank took a real liking to Cole. And then the off season during the summer, everything Frank worked with Cole every single day. Did he have to? No, he did because he saw the kid had talent. And not only that, because Chris told me, he goes, Frank's Frank's down in, in Carolina is the head coach. Yet he calls Cole at least once a week and they talk and they go over things because they got a really great relationship. So that, that tells me a lot about Frank Wright, the person. Yeah, he was, you know, a part of the Hard Knocks show uh, one season, and everything that was revealed about Frank was so complimentary. He's, and it seems like players play hard for him. So uh, he's an interesting candidate. But as you said, at his age and collecting two checks, you know, perhaps he doesn't want the job. Uh, somebody who might want the job is Eric Bieniemy. What are your thoughts on the former Kansas City Chiefs off offensive coordinator? Didn't really call plays over there, uh, except for perhaps a handful of times that Andy Reid allowed him to. And then he went over to Washington and uh, signed a two-year contract over there. So he is on the bubble. I don't think he's going to be retained by Washington. So no, could be available. going to be the head coach is going to. Right. Now, he, could he be the guy? Yeah, he could very well be picked by whoever the head coach is. 
Mm -hmm. uh, and he may get, I don't know, does he even get interviewed? I don't know that. I know they're interviewing a, a boatload of guys. Yeah. Um, but now Eric's going to run very similar scheme to what Matt Nagy ran, which is, you know, Andy Reid's scheme. Right. Another very, very good scheme. Mm -hmm. What I like about Eric Bianchi, and I do not know Eric, I just know of him, mm -hmm. is like me, he's very old school. He's not an old guy like I am, but he's old school. <laughs> okay. And and he's tough. And he'll rip your heart out. You know, he's gonna be more Mike Ditka, Bill Parcells than yes, yes. Matt Nate. Okay. Mm -hmm. He holds everybody accountable. He will take your lunch and eat it himself. I mean, he is he is a hard ass and he will make you work and you can't be lazy around him. You're going to be held accountable. I like what Patrick Mahomes said. He said he was a difference maker here. He said he made things go. And he runs the offense. But the enemy cracked the whip. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Okay. Okay. And just, you know, what happens there is, yeah, the OC, you know, because I was in Philly and, and Doug. Peterson, I think, was the OC or usually the OC or the quarterback coach, but the OC was running practices during, you know, the play calling and all that during um, training camp and, and taking care of the script and all that. Not Andy. Andy does the games. And, you know, Andy oversees and interjects and he co literally coaches, you know, during, during practices. But, the enemy, you know, he would run practices, the offensive side of the ball <coughs> at Kansas City. And he'd make guys work. And since he left, you know, it's this year, the offense hadn't been as good. Yeah. Now, is yeah. that a coincidence? I can't, I don't know the answer to that. Mm -hmm. But Mahomes hasn't been as good. Interesting. Yes, that's for sure. Um, so, the entire offense. You know, I, I think he's interesting, but he's not the same school. And so, you know, how interested is, you know, are, are the Bears to him? It's the same as Pep. And Pep, you know, interviewed here two years ago. Pep isn't from that school. Mm -hmm. And so, and I don't know what school to say he's from. He's from the Pep School, but really, <laughs> the Stanford School. And, you know, so he, well, he very well could get an interview. He might not be a serious candidate, being his philosophy. And that's not to say that he's <clears throat> not a very good and qualified coach. Is it what they want? And it's obviously their decision. Right. But now let's get into, because you wanted me to talk about this. You know, what happens at an OC interview? So I made some calls because I've never sat in one. Okay. I've sat in position coach interviews. I've sat in a couple of head coach interviews. And they're all different. 
and I talked to people. I talked to a, a general manager, and he sent me like a, a list of some stuff that you know I'll, I'll read off. And then I talked to a guy who's been a candidate and sat in him. And he had the one, really the most interesting thing to say. He said, first off, you've already been pre-chosen. They know what you can do. It's not about X's and O's. They already brought you in because of that. That's why I'm sitting and getting interviewed. Okay. They have seen on tape what you can do. You've run offenses before, or you've been part of offenses. And so they, they, they already, they want to talk to you because they like what's on your resume. He says, so that's how that's already done. You wouldn't be there if it wasn't for that, which I really thought was very interesting. So he said, really what it gets down to, it's not like they got to be very long interviews, personnel packages. Okay. You're first in goal on the eighth. What's going through your mind? Like the first, the three best plays you want to run mm-hmm. and why? What personnel groupings do you want to use? This one guy says, I looked at him and said, are you out of your mind? You think I'm giving you my whole notebook so when you play me, you already got it? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. I bet. Well, the, and I, and then the other way around, too. I mean, I don't think during these interviews, anybody is going to say, we're going to stick with Justin or we're going to draft the quarterback. They don't want to reveal to a candidate who doesn't get the job what the Bears' plans are going to be. They're just trying to collect information, not dispense well, no, it. No, no, now, this is where this is where this is where I, I disagree with that, Aldo, and that okay because you got to come in and you got to be prepared to have a plan. What is your plan? Okay. We didn't do as good as we had wanted to do with this player. If we're going to keep this player. What are you going to do to make him click? And so that's where you're going to get into getting into adjusting the scheme. Okay. Quarterback one goes out. Let's just, you know, we'll just use Bears names. Bajic goes, or uh, Fields goes down in game three. You got to use Tyson Bajic. How are you going to adjust knowing what Bajan's strengths are? How are you going to adjust the offense? You know, and, and, and these are things that they want to ask. Mm-hmm. Okay. They, they want to ask who's your, okay. Like, like in this case, we'll just use hypothetically the bears case. You need a wide receiver coach, you need a quarterback coach, you need a running back coach. Who are your guys? Give me A, B, and C. Because a lot of times you can have A and A isn't coming because mm-hmm. he's either got a better opportunity somewhere else or he's already under, under contract or whatever. So, you know, they want to know A, B, and C. Who are those guys? Why? What are their strengths and weaknesses? What do you know about them? Yada, yada. But a lot of the stuff, like I said, has already been 
work through before they even send in the permission slip. So it makes the interview that much easier. Gotcha. You know, you're really just getting into nuts and bolts. You don't have to get them up on the board to draw a scheme. They know what the scheme is. They've seen it. They've played against it. And that's one of the reasons why they brought you in in the first place. Yeah. A lot of uh, people have asked, you know, uh, well, if you bring in an OC and he's successful, you know, what can the Bears do to keep that person? I would think that you can't do anything. No, if he's going to get a head coaching job, he's going to jump at him. He's going to go, and you can't do anything. But you've you've got the experience. If that person was successful, then you're trying to find an offensive coordinator to replace him who will continue to do what worked. I would imagine. It's kind of interesting because I – we, we talked a little bit about this on, on Tuesday and it's already been shot. It's like it's put up against the wall. And it was the St. Valentine's massacre. The theory was just killed with bullets. Well, who are they going to get to bring in? Nobody's going to want this job. No, only the two best candidates said yes. <laughs> Yes, I think it, uh, everybody it, that, wants that job, not just yeah. here, everywhere. There's there's really less than 30 OC jobs available in the league because there's some head coaches that are the real OC. If you mm-hmm. got an opportunity, you're jumping at it for yes. somebody to be idiotic enough to say nobody's going to want the job shows their stupidity when, in, in regards to the sport. Yeah. Well, well, first of all, as you say, you know, they're going to have total autonomy of running a NFL offense that has some good players on the roster and it's going to acquire more good players. Secondly, money, money, a two or three year guaranteed contract. That's a good reason to want to come to Chicago. Well, and be the OC. guaranteed with coaches, unless you're fired for cause with offensive court or coordinators, not offensive court. With coordinators, more often than not, you're getting a three-year deal. A lot of position coaches are two. So it's a three-year contract, and you're a coordinator. You're into seven figures, sometimes deep into seven figures. Okay, so it's – and and you're making 750000 800000 a position coach, and you can double that or more than double that. You're taking the damn job. Hell okay, yes. the people who think different are freaking morons. <laughs> coaches, have, coaches have egos. Uh, they all think they can get the job done. They aren't going to be in the business if they don't think they can. Here's a, a really interesting question from Eric, and we've got a, a number of questions here. I'm counting about 15. Eric is saying, I'm curious if you have an evaluation of Luke Getze of the things that he did well and the things that he did poorly as the offensive coordinator. This is this is what the Chicago Bears did intensely immediately after the season. They were doing it throughout the season, but you know the, the upper ups uh, uh, sat down and talked about Luke Getze in detail. It, it, when Eberflus was asked, what did he do well? What perhaps do you think uh, um, uh, Matt Eberflus said? I, you know, I'm not even going to venture to guess on that because the fact of the matter is he's no longer here. 
because you didn't do a good enough job. Okay. They made a decision and they knew they needed better. You know, personally, I just think, you know, he got hired because oh, he knew the scheme and that's the scheme that Flus wanted. But knowing the scheme is not necessarily knowing how to use the scheme mm-hmm. and attack offense. You know, offense, defense is a chess game. As I'm trying to attack you, I'm trying to beat you and I'm going after your weaknesses. I can sit back here and I can say, cause we've all done it. What the, are they doing that for? Yes, indeed. You know, I said the, to one guy last night, I said, there's one game when he called seven bubbles and I'm screaming at the freaking TV. Why are you doing that? They don't work. <laughs> and not only do they not work, your opponent knows you're going to come with it. You were calling plays on X before they That's hilarious. The guy might be the greatest guy in the world. But this is a game that is about what have you done for me lately? That's right. (laughs) It's winning. You better freaking win now. Well, and so that leads me perfectly to this question posed by NanoCBD at 1150. Is winning football games a criteria for keeping a quarterback? So clearly a lot of people are uh, don't like the idea that Justin might return simply because of his one loss record. What do you say to uh, those folks? Well, okay. Now, there's some people of the opinion that one loss record is not a quarterback stat. Well, I'm, not, I'm not of that school. Why is it a pitcher stat and not a quarterback stat? Yeah, I know they're two different sports. But what what I what, when I'm evaluating a quarterback, a college quarterback, the first games I want to watch, I try to watch games in chronological chronological order whenever possible. But if that's not possible, then I want to watch the toughest opponents. And mm-hmm. to do a quarterback, you know, it's not like you know, like a wide receiver, you know, he might be, yeah, he's running routes, maybe, you know, 50, 60% of the play, but he might not be part of the play. Like when you were doing Baylor receivers in college, the play was neither going to the right or the right left. And it was predetermined before the snap. And they had a receiver that went in the, in the, uh, in the first round and don't, he was a boss. Don't remember his name. And, you know, seven, eight years ago. And, you know, athletic as hell. But when when the ball was going to the other side, he never walked off the line of scrimmage. He stood there. He just stood there with his hands folded. One time, I, I see you feel he was looking literally into the stands behind him. <laughs> you want to know why he busted? That's why. You know, he, he really, he was a selfish player. Yeah, when the ball's coming my way, I'll work for it. When it's going to that guy, fuck it. Yeah, that's not right. Jordan says, by, by that logic of, you know, quarterback 
uh, wins and losses is an important thing, then uh, J.J. McCarthy, and I think uh, Jordan has tongue planted in cheek here, J.J. McCarthy should be a QB1. And I know well, Jordan no, I, I, likes I didn't say J.J. It's the important step. It's, but what's important to me is how you perform in big games. Mm-hmm. Okay, are you are you playing your best in big games? But it, and with quarterbacks, you have to break up everything. What's he do on first down? It's almost like you need, and and you can do this in the league because you know the, the way that the the video is digitized, and when you're within that exosystem, I cannot do it here because it it goes directly through. The, um, the dub center to have it done. You know, you say, I want all first down passes between first and 10 and first and five. And within Very minutes, good. you're going to get every single one during the course of the year. Okay. And, and the same thing with, so you can watch them back to back to back to back to back. And then the same thing, second down situations, third mm-hmm. down situations, third and short, third and long. Fourth and short, fourth and long. Red red zone situations. What's he doing in the red zone? That's obviously important. You know, so it's all a lot of situational football that you have to have the right stats on. Analytics is really the better word of what he does. What's he do when he throws to his right versus throws to his left versus throws to the middle? Where's he better? Is he matter better deep right or deep left? Short right or short left? So, I mean, when you get done doing a quarterback, you don't have, and I'm saying, and I'm not going to do this because I don't have to right now, but I'm saying what they're going to do at Hallis Hall and they're going to do at, at Washington and anybody else who might be looking at a quarterback. That's how they're breaking these guys down. Okay, and, and you got the yo-yos on X that are good. Well, they're going to take care of his generational quarterback. Why is he a generational quarterback? Tell me why. I've asked for three days now. And I, I mean, you saw the article I wrote about Caleb Williams early in the year. I put him up here. I like everybody else. This guy's like the best since Patrick Mahomes coming out. Then he hit the Notre Dame game. And he fell off. He, he, like, hit the cliff and just collapsed. And I keep saying the same thing. Why? Tell me why. Nobody can give you the answer because they don't know how to give you the answer. I go, and no team can say yes to him until they have the answer. Now, will he be, will he be the guy? Yeah, he could be. But you're not going to say, yes, he's the guy until you have the answers to all the questions. On top of seeing, you know, making sure you check under the hood to make sure everything is working there. If he's got a faulty carburetor, you don't want him. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, so um, do they even have carburetors anymore? I'm really showing my age. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure either. <laughs> 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 they do in race cars, in, in, uh, in NASCAR race cars, because uh, everything's fuel injected now. And exactly. Anyway, <laughs> I'm not a mechanic, so don't even get me on that end. I don't know anything. 
the um but my my red pillow says it's because caleb williams didn't have anyone around him he didn't have oh bullshit freaking usc (laughs) come on (laughs) all right let me get to some other questions here because they're piling up and we're an hour into the show a lot of people are wondering, okay, so you fire Luke Getze, but Eberflus was okaying the offensive game plan. He had suggestions for plays. You know, why is it that some people have called Getze the scapegoat and that Eberflus is allowed to get away with it? So what's your thought on that? Well, yeah, I, I, it's a fair question. But – in essence, I mean, yeah, it, <coughs> excuse me, comes back to the head coach. But still, the head coach, you can have a pretty good game plan going into a game. I think this is the way I'm going to answer it. And I'm not trying to beat around the bush. Okay. You could have a pretty good game on paper, looks like what is a good game plan to beat opponent A. But how are you implementing that game plan once the game kicks off? What are you actually because because on your call sheet, you don't have one play for first and ten. You got seven or eight. You know what I mean? You've got you've got if you look at those things, there's several plays for every down and distance situation that you can possibly come up with here in the course of a game. Okay, he's the guy who's radioing into the quarterback the play okay and you can't you only got so much time there's only what 40 seconds in between every play and the head coach can't go you know there's 27 seconds left on the clock no i don't like that play call another one luke you know you don't have time for that right you know you you gotta have you hired that guy to be your oc and you sink or swim with it, they sunk. And at the end of the day, he was held accountable. And today he's not here. That is that, indeed. You know, whoever answered. I, I think so. Asked if that's a good enough answer for him. Yeah. Uh, well, you just did, so we'll see what they respond. A lot of people, and I'm saying a lot of people, at least two dozen people have asked, Greg, who are your top three offensive coordinator candidates? You know, I, I can't answer it fairly because I'm not sitting in the damn room, you know, and I had a list. Let's see if I can find it. <laughs> Got so much junk here, I can't find everything. Yeah, um, and now, uh, while you're looking for that, I'm, I want to respond to uh, Jason Toy's question. He asked me what my three offensive coordinators, and I don't have, I don't have, I'm not going to pretend to know, you know, the, these guys to offer an informed opinion. I, I, what I would like to see because I am committed to Justin Fields for the 2024 season. I would like to see an offensive coordinator come in here and do the absolute best towards 
helping Justin Fields be the best that he can be. And then in the draft, I would support Justin Fields by getting him weapons on both offense and defense. I want a defensive pass rusher who's going to help us get shorter fields for the offense, and I want more weapons for Justin Fields. But for me to give you a name, I would just be picking a name out of my butt. Okay, Greg would know I, better. I, I got my family list. I did not have Waldron on this because okay. at the time when I did this, Waldron was the OC at Seattle and Pete Carroll was still the head coach. That was, you know, one of the shockers of the week that Pete Carroll is no longer the HC at, at Seattle. So I had the enemy. I had Frank Reich because of what we talked about, the obvious connections. I had, and I might have talked about him before, Liam Cohen. Mm. And Liam Cohen is another guy from the same tree. He's currently the OC at the University of Kentucky. He has bounced back and forth over the last four years between Kentucky and the Rams. He was the OC at Kentucky in 21, and Will Levis had his, by far, that's where he jumped on the map, had an outstanding year after he had transferred from, from Penn State over to Kentucky. Then in 22, he had come to Kentucky from the Rams where he was quarterback coach. Mm -hmm. And then after he does that great job with Will Levis, McVay brings him back to um, the Rams as the OC because he had lost the OC. I think it was O'Connell who went to uh, Minnesota. So he's the OC with the Rams in 22, but he want, you know, he's a play caller in Kentucky. He wants to be a play caller. And you can't be the play caller in the Rams because McVay's the play caller. But McVay does a great job developing coaches. So he goes back to Kentucky as the OC uh, last year. And he grew up in the league. His dad's a longtime executive, you know, player personnel guy. And, he, you know, so he, he understands the pro game. Been around it literally his whole life. So, you know, knowing what I know, I think he's a good candidate. They're going to talk to him? I don't know. Maybe he's not interested in leaving Kentucky. I don't know that. I just think it's a, it's a viable name. I had, of course, Pep Hamilton. Why do you I like have... Pep for this job? Pardon? Why do you like Pep for uh, offensive coordinator at Bears? I have the uh, number one, I've worked with Pep twice here and in the XFL. I know him like a brother, I love the guy. Um, and I know what kind of coach he is. I know what kind of teacher he is, and I know how he develops quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. So that's why. Um, but does he do what Flus wants? I don't think so. Okay. Um, I had Mike LaFleur, who's currently the Rams OC. Well, how can he go from Rams OC to here? Well, because he's not a play caller at the Rams. McVay is. Zach Robinson, the quarterback coach at the Rams, who oh, yeah. everybody has very, very, very good things to say. Don't know him. But see, if, if you know, I had Clint Kubiak. If you notice all these names I had, they're all from the same tree. tree because yeah, yeah. I, I, I felt pretty confident that that's, if they were going to try to get success out of JF, 
they were going to try to stay within the same scheme. And right now, it looks like on paper that that's what they're going to do. The other day, they had Kellen Moore doing a pretty good job with the Chargers, and that staff got fired. And he's got a good reputation. I really don't know that much about him. And then the name, other name I, I threw down just recently was um, Smith, who just got fired as the head coach with Atlanta because of his reputation as an OC when he was at Tennessee. Arthur Smith. Yes. And, and, and more, I put it down, uh, down as, you know, like Frank, interesting name. Don't know what his connection is with, with Flus, other than they played against each other twice a year, every year for a number of years. Um, but, you know, and a guy who has worked with athletic quarterbacks. Interesting. Um, what do you think about, I've got a name here, um, uh, Greg Roman, who, uh, of course, was the offensive coordinator when um, ja uh, Lamar Jackson had his right. phenomenal season. You think that would be a good fit for Justin Fields? You know, I, I don't know. And I don't want to say I'm not a Greg Roman fan because, you know, I mean, I've got some bias. That's why I wanted to say that up front so I don't sound like a, you know, an a-hole. Um, you know, he's in Buffalo and he got let go there and the numbers were good. He worked with Tyrod Taylor. Uh, but the, the whole body work wasn't that great. Even though they won and he developed Lamar Jackson, Harbaugh still let him go. Okay, so I go back to like when I'm talking about Caleb. Not that I wouldn't take Caleb. It's you got to have every question answered. So with Roman, White Harbaugh let him go. Let him go after success. Mm -hmm. You know, so is he a viable candidate? Absolutely. Are they going to talk to him? We'll find out. As of right now, we haven't, you know, you see his name in the paper, see Frank's name in the paper. Um, but. Uh, you have respect for John Harbaugh, don't you, uh, Greg? Right? It's the other Harbaugh. Oh, yeah. you know? <laughs> and, and I, I've only met him a couple times. Uh, uh -huh. I, think he's, I, I think just personality-wise, the person, he's like, the exact opposite of his brother. Mm -hmm. You know, his brother's real high strung. Um, the, uh, <laughs> you know, it speaks for itself. You know, he, he's good. He's real tight with Tobe, and I love Tobe. And Tobe has nothing but great things to say about him. And I got to say this about Harbaugh, because I'm a critic. And only because he's a nutcase, not because he's not a good coach. First, I don't think there's a chance in hell that he's going to be coaching in the NFL. Okay. 
I highly doubt he leaves Michigan. If he left Michigan, he would be the, if it happened, I don't know of it. Guy wins a natty and leaves. I've never seen it happen before. And not yeah, on top of that, it's his freaking alma mater. Yeah. You know, and, and so, and he's got on the table and he's already got leverage to get that bumped up. A 10-year, $125 million contract, which you know is going to get bumped up because he just won a natty. So um, why does he leave? And he's 60 years old. <laughs> My opinion. Yeah. <laughs> For what it's worth. Well, we will find out maybe in the future. Uh, Vizzleman says, Greg, do you think it's important that the offensive coordinator that the Bears hire has actually called plays and is not a first-time play caller? You know, I, I, I kind of, in all due respect, I kind of mm -hmm. laugh at that. And, and, and in fact, I heard um, somebody say it yesterday, national guy. Like Mike McDaniel. Is she a good play caller down in Miami? Yes, hey, absolutely. Okay. Did he ever call plays at, at San Francisco before he went to Miami? Nope. A lot of these guys. Did O'Connell up in Minnesota, who's a pretty good play caller, ever call plays before he, he went to Minnesota? Nope. It's not that you have called plays. That is overrated. It is your understanding of the offense and your ability to attack a defense. And how you are going to attack that defense, certain schemes, player groups, formations, things like that, that comes out in your interview. You know, how you're going to do things. So um, it should, put it that way. Uh, but there's a lot of guys that don't have the experience. Now, the two names that we know of, Kubiak and Waldron, they both have extensive experience calling plays. So that's a plus. Now, the other thing, you know, Waldron, Waldron's got a, in my opinion, great quarterback coach working under him at, Seattle, who was here, Greg Olson. Oh, that's right. And, wow. and Greg was here on Dick Chiron's staff. He's here for two or three years. I, I think the world of Greg, excellent, excellent coach, has been a coordinator in the league, was a coordinator with the Raiders under Gruden, and really had some, you know, did some good things with Carr. Mm -hmm. And he's been a coordinator at other places, but he's excellent as being a quarterback coach. So I'm throwing a dart at the wall, I admit it. Um, I would think that if Waldron got the job, he'd be bringing Greg Olson with him. That would be nice. I would like that. Now, Greg uh, was in, I, I don't know where, I don't remember where Greg's originally from. But when we got him, when we hired him, he was at Purdue. Okay. But if he's originally from the Midwest or the West Coast, because he spent a good part of his career out on the West Coast, but a real good guy. And, and, and from a technical standpoint, 
of being able to teach the position, he's excellent. He's one of the better ones in the league. He's had quite the uh, uh, list. I'm looking at his resume right now. Uh, prior to Chicago, he was at Purdue as tight ends coach and recruiting coordinator. And prior to that, he was with the 49ers as their QB coach. Um, somebody just brought up uh, this name. Uh, where is he? Uh, oh, darn. Where'd it go? Uh, you've already talked about. Oh, uh, Kellen Moore. What do you think about yeah, Kellen I Moore? Yeah, you know, I Kellen was at Dallas. Mike McCarthy let him go after last season. He went out to the Chargers. Uh-huh. That staff got – I mean, Kellen – a couple of years ago, his name was as hot as it could be. I don't know if it still is. Um, and does he fit what they are actually looking for? Yeah. The other name that's just been thrown out is Daryl uh, Bevel with uh, the Dolphins. Well, he's the OC at the Dolphins, right? So, I believe he is. Uh, or, he is yeah, OC or Mike McDaniel is. Yeah, and you know, so yeah, and but another guy from the what I'm going to term it this way, from what looks to be the preferred school tree, whatever, however you want to call it. Right. Uh, so yeah, that would be a a a viable candidate. You know, I, I'm going to think that the list is probably going to be six, seven, eight max. Forget, like I said at the beginning. Right. They're calling me unless they know they want to talk to you. You know, it's because of what you've already done. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> can I have one minute to get more water? I'm all out. My mouth is real dry. Absolutely. You go for it. My good? Friend. Okay. Yes, indeed. Uh, while Greg goes out to get water, I'm going to uh, look at some of the questions that were posed and, and see uh, what's going on here. Uh, Flexstick said, Getsy was an easy scapegoat. 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 <laughs> Where's the accountability from Flus for this offense? He's the head coach. Yeah, and I, uh, Flex, I posed that question to Greg a little earlier, and um, there's no doubt in my mind. I mean, one of the things that really caught my eye about the press conference was when Ryan Pose was heralding Eberflus's work during these uh, adverse moments. Well, those were of Flus's making because of the people that he hired. So uh, Flus definitely is accountable. At the same time, uh, Greg, can you hear me okay? I, I've got a yeah. follow-up question on this Eberflus stuff. You know, um, I know I, I've been trying to destroy the narrative about uh, coaches. The Bears don't fire people because they don't want to pay people for not doing stuff. That's bullshit. We all know it's bullshit. The Bears have fired plenty of people. They've eaten a lot of money and so forth. But is it possible that this time around, with Kevin Warren now as the CEO, and he, they need money for the stadium. They need money for this and that and boom, 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 boom. Is it possible that they said, you know, Ryan Pose, you made this decision to bring in Eberflus. He still has two years left in his contract, and I'm just guessing that it's two years. 
we, 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 you know, give Ibraflus one more chance so that we're not paying another new head coach and and, and, and while while paying for fired head coaches. Do you think there's a possibility of that? No, not really. In fact, you know, like I said, I didn't listen to much of, of Kevin's statement or presser, but I did catch the part in the beginning where he said, "Not being in the playoffs eats away at him," and he's losing sleep and and. He said he's very impatient. He said, I'm a lot more impatient than people know me to be. You know, I caught on to all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And the impression I got is that he's no nonsense. But he's he's also, he first of all, he's night and day, and I'm being pro or con on Ted Phillips. Mm -hmm. just as a person night and day different than Ted Phillips ever thought about being. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, it's a totally different type of leader that they have running the organization. And I think it's a very good thing. I think it's a very positive thing. He knows what he wants, but I, my experience in the league says you keep firing people is more a setup for disaster formula for disaster than using some patience. Yes. You know what? Bill Parcells sucked his first few years with the New York giants mm -hmm. and George Young was questioning whether he made the right decision. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because you know, they rushed. He didn't have to go through the interview procedures. He was Ray Perkins' defensive coordinator. And Ray quits, and I don't, you know, I wasn't there then. I came like the year after. And Ray leaves to take the Alabama job. And so George pushes Bill up to the head coaching job. Okay. And it might've been because it was late and it's like, you know, viable candidates weren't there and he had a good feeling, but he, he double questioned himself after I might've made a mistake. Well, he did. Bill just had to get his feet wet being a head coach and really dig into how do I want to get this done and do some old, his own self-evaluation and form his own, Okay, I, I see where I made some mistakes. And now I now I got to do this going forward. And now what would it turn out to be? Multiple championships, Hall of Fame coach, one of the best ever. So just don't be too quick with the trigger. And I am not saying that Flues is going to end up in the Hall of Flame. The Hall of Flame, yeah, right. The Hall of Fame. I'm just saying that don't be shooting too quick. Yeah, well, it's funny that you say that because Sam Rush just put up a quote from Kevin Warren saying that the worst Kevin said the worst thing you can do as an as an organization that's making progress is to turn around things too quickly. So that's uh, uh, completely you're, you're that. setting up to lose again. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, football and candy. This, look, I don't know what they're going to do with that first pick. I think right. they're going to trade it. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm on record as saying that. That's what makes sense. Okay, but everybody said well, they're going to compare it to last year. 
and get that same haul. Well, that same haul might not be there. Everything is different. They were able to trade down from one to nine. One to nine brings you a big haul. What if if they only go to three, you're not going to get close to what you got last year. Absolutely. You know, so, (coughs) excuse me. It's it's really all about how far you move back. After they do all the research on the players, and that's still a long time away, then they're going to formulate, these are guys we think we'd want. Okay, now, whoever the new OC is, is going to be part of the equation. How big a part? I don't know, because what we don't know exactly is, is he going to be saying, hey, I'm hiring you on the fact that what do you think you can do with this guy? Right. Can you do something with this guy? Okay, let's let's I'll use a good example. <clears throat> Athletically, a similar type player. Waldron. Well, Waldron gets Smith last year as a first-time starter. Been in the league eight, nine years at that point. Bust. For all extents and purposes, he was a bust. He was a high-round pick that never lived up to the expectations of the level in which he was drafted. Career backup. Now he's fucking great. Okay, so things can change. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so I, you know, I think that part of this process is about we we're not ready to throw in the towel on this guy. Now, if he says, guy comes and says, hey, Brian, I'm sorry. You can't do anything with him. That's, excuse me, that's got to have meaning to them. And that could change their opinion on what their initial thought process is. Right, right. And I, you know, I, I, I admit I'm throwing dirt at the wall here. Sure. I'm trying to cover all sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony is asking, how are you feeling, Greg? It's that time where you get the cough, right? About this time of the well, day? I start talking a lot. I start coughing because, you know, I've got lung issues. The brief, right. Um, all good here. Uh, let me know how many more questions you want to entertain. Let's go another five minutes if you can. How's that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, a question here from Football Candy, and, and actually this has been talked a lot about a lot about in the chat, is didn't Justin Fields prove that he can't play in this type of offense? So why are we trying to find a coordinator who is going to call this kind of offense if we're going to keep Fields? And I'm paraphrasing how that's been put by a number of people. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 no offense, but I almost want to laugh at that. Mm-hmm. And because I'm going to go back, why did the guy just get fired? The scheme is a good scheme. 
a proven scheme. It's how you use the scheme. And did he, in fact, use JF to his strengths within that scheme? So I don't want to hear that he already showed he can't play in the scheme. No, he didn't. The guy who was supposed to run the scheme showed that he didn't know how to use the scheme. Mm-hmm. And that's why he's on the outside looking in. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ryan Billings wants to know, how would you feel about Chase Daniels being on staff? Maybe as a quarterback coach, some people have mentioned offensive coordinator. I don't think he's ready for that. But he's a big fan of Justin Fields and, in fact, thinks that he's going to be a great quarterback. What do you think about Chase? You know, I, I don't know Chase. I, I, I remember when he was coming out and he was at Missouri and he put up some huge numbers and Teddy Monaco loved him. Uh and, you know, he was a career backup, but he lasted a long time, 14 years in the league, made a lot of money. He knows the position. Um, it was funny because he, he put out on X shortly after the presser, you know, one of his videos of, of Caleb and addressing what he thought it uh, not Caleb, but uh, Justin. And then he said, I'm available. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the, the real question is, and I keep going back to this, like, oh, the real question, does he really want to coach? Because mm-hmm. unless you unless you really got that desire, coaching is a hard, hard profession. Yep. Okay? You might as well. Tell your wife and your kids in August. See ya. I'll, I'll see you in December. And, uh, and if we get to the playoffs, I'll see you in February. You know, because <laughs> you're living at the building. Mm-hmm. And you better have the right partner and the kids better understand because it, it's a tough life. It's mm-hmm. long, long hours. You know, three days a week, real long, long hours. And if you want to throw in game day on Sunday, but it's 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 hard. And yep. so you've got to be ready to number one, be able to do that. Will your family accept that and then and really want to do it? So he can, you know. Jump on next and say, I'm here. Give me a call. But does he really want to? Do I think he could be a very good quarterback coach? Yes. From what I've seen, and I know, you know, he's played the position a long time. His understanding of the position, his ability to break down the position, all that says yes. But it's going to get down to who's the OC, and and, and the OC is going to have a big say in who that person is. Absolutely. I got a question from our guy, uh, Baki. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, who's been very complimentary about our work. He says, do you think it's possible that the the Bears trade down and then they pick a quarterback in the second or third round to develop yes. because developing quarterbacks behind starters has worked out for Green Bay? <laughs> I, I, I don't think I expect. I expect it to happen. 
Yeah, I, I do too. I do too. Now, I said this the other day on one of the other shows. Uh, I haven't given up on uh, Tyson Bajan potentially being a starter in the National Football League. He's proven. Yeah, He's a capable backup. He's proven I, that. I, I think what he did from his back, concert, considering his background, is mm -hmm. absolutely remarkable. He's the first one to ever do it. And <clears throat> Steal a phrase from a movie. He's got the right stuff. <laughs> I love it. And every once in a while, I watch a movie, you know. And he, he's just, I think he's got a bright future. Whether it's here, that remains to be seen. But, you know, I know that he's very highly thought of at Hallis Hall. But how highly thought of as far as, you know, what the future is, I don't have that answer. What do you make of uh, Caleb Williams? There's a report. Um, I, I'm not even going to get into that, but I will address this question from Doug Dyer. Actually, I want you to address it. Is there a benefit for Caleb? to wait until the last minute to declare that he is going into the draft. He has until Monday. Why is he waiting till, till Monday if he indeed waits that long? What's the date Monday? 15th? Uh, I believe you are correct. Yes, Martin Luther King yeah, Day. He's got, yeah. Um, he's going in the draft. He, he already opted out of their, their game, and he's talking to agents. I know that part for a fact. <laughs> because I know of at least one of the agencies interviewing as a finalist. So he's going to be in the draft. I don't care if he publicly declared. Hmm. He will be in the draft. Okay. J2K wanted to know about Thomas Brown, the running backs coach. Uh, have you heard anything about him? You've done any research on Thomas yeah, Brown? Uh, you know, no, he was at Carolina. And right. Don't know a lot because, well, first, before Frank got let go, and, and I firmly believe that Frank got screwed over at Carolina. I mean, I, I'll tell you, whoever goes there better get a big freaking contract. Yeah. Because <laughs> history already shows you got up, you know, you're on death watch the day you sign. Oh, my gosh. You ain't so, kidding. But I, I, you know, situation wasn't good. You've got a very impatient, temperamental, maniacal owner. Um, and so, personally, I think, I mean, you know, money talks. They're going to get somebody. Who it's going to be, that remains to be seen. Dan Morgan, who was Scott Fitterer's assistant, wouldn't shock me if he ends up being the GM. <laughs> and that nobody's brought in from, they'll interview people if they have to, but it wouldn't shock me if he ends up with the job because he already knows what he's in and yeah. probably can understand it and, and better than anybody else. And he's very capable at what he does. He's got a very, very good uh, reputation. So, I mean, that, but as far as Brown himself as a coach, I, I don't know much. But, I, you know, I keep going back. 
until we start seeing different names that might be from different trees, we got to think that they're trying to zero in on one certain area. Now, they're going to have to branch off into other areas because they have to interview so many people. And it'd be wise to do that. But I'm just going off candidate number one and candidate number two and the first people we put permission slips in on it because those are usually candidate 1A, candidate 1B. And that's a little telling there. All right. Last question comes from... Uh, well, uh, the last question is always about 10. So, okay, there <laughs> no, this is really the last one. Uh, you know a lot of scouts. Uh, so Jordan was asking, do you know if J.J. McCarthy has started interviewing, not scouts, uh, uh, you know a lot of agents. Do you know if J.J. McCarthy has started interviewing for an agent? Yes. And I know right. one who is, and I know one who is agent who has had extensive talks with his family going back to last summer. Oh, last summer. Wow. You know, I, I got to tell you this. These, about, kids can, these kids can hire agents as, quote, NIL agents. Yeah. And so it's not illegal to enter into an agreement with an agent. Yeah, indeed. All right. We've got so, so, so much more to talk about. Greg and I will be back next week. What day and what time? You're going to have to follow Greg. Uh, It'll be Monday for, or Tuesday. The okay, great. Does, comes every other week, Aldo. So Tuesday is open without interruption next week. All right. So let's call it, let's say Tuesday, 11 a.m. Central. Greg and I will be back. We'll have so much more to talk about. I doubt they will have hired an offensive coordinator by then, but we probably will learn of more candidates that are coming in for interviews. What do you think this is going to be? take about 10 days to uh, make a decision on the OC? I don't know. I, hell. Washington already named their their GM. Yeah. They Do you think that Ian there. Cunningham was just, you know, to take care of the Rooney uh, rule? Because no, they... he was a finalist. Oh, okay. He, he, he was one of two finalists, one of two people brought in for two – in fact, I thought I, – I don't know much about the other guy, uh, but Ian has considerable knowledge – I mean, he worked in Baltimore, worked in, in Philly. He's got considerable knowledge of not only that area, but the NFC East, having worked in the NFC East. And so, you know, I thought he might be the favorite. Obviously, he didn't get it. And I, I posted on X a little while before we started this. Hey, I'm selfish. I'm glad he didn't get the job. I mean, you know, you feel bad for him. I I, I I, want good guys working in the department here. And not only that, he knows he knows what's in Ryan's head right now. And, mm -hmm. and Washington has the number two pick. I don't want to lose him to there. Yes, exactly. 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 And that's a great point, you know, Greg. See, you, you just sparked another question. Is like, do you think Ryan Poles has shared 
everything with Ian in terms of what he might be thinking? Or do you think that during this period he has withheld some information? Because, you know, why? if you got a feeling he's going to land a job somewhere else, why give him all the info that you might be thinking about? That's a tough one. Uh, it's a good question, but he was only, he's only been a candidate for, what, a few days? Yeah. I mean, they, but they, you, 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 know, you had to be anticipating he was going to go on interviews. Oh, yeah. You know. But I but yeah. I also think that they're, I don't want to say joined at the hip, but they're pretty damn close. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. And and so, you know, they they bounce things off one another. And so and, and the most important part is Ian knows how Ryan thinks. Ryan knows how Ian thinks. You don't have to know all the intricate information to know how a guy thinks, you know, and based on what you already know, say, this is what I think he's going to do. There you go. There you go. Absolutely. Good thinking there. Absolutely. All right, everyone. Uh, make sure you tune in tonight at 5.50 p.m. Central Time for well, the let's, list. Let's do a little quick poll here. Okay. Because I said Jerry said he'd be willing to come on. All right. Um, oh, man. You know, sometimes the next, do, do people want to hear from Jerry Angelo? You can just let Aldo know or let, you know, just, yeah. because Jerry's great. Oh, would love to talk to him. You, when we did just an audio only podcast, you had him on, and I think it was uh, about a half hour. Shoot. But that's you had a different co host back the then. First year we were doing stuff, this was like that was like three years ago. Yeah, we used to have a different co host, and I'm, I, I'm honestly forgetting his name right now. Jeez. I, he worked with the score. What was your first co host's Mark name? Schuster. Yeah. Dave, David Schuster. We had David yeah. Schuster, and it was we were sitting down in your basement there. That's right. That's right. So it would be great to uh, have Angelo on. I can ask him a couple of questions. So that everyone is, of course, saying yes. So and uh, just, Swift, yeah, yes, yes, yes. Story, he's like, <laughs> he says, Greg, send me three sure shot winners for this weekend. Uh huh. Why are you betting? No, I just need three winners. I'm just talking to my Okay, so I send the three winners. Oh, big dog, if I lose these, I'm calling you up for some money. And I, so I sent back, I said, dude, you got money falling out, more money falling out of your pocket than I got in the damn bank. That's hilarious. <laughs> All right. The funniest response is, uh, in, in terms of that question that I posed, uh, Doug Dyer says, is a pig's penis made out of pork? <laughs> yeah, he definitely wants to hear from Jerry Angelo. All right, everybody. Again, uh, two uh, football shows tonight starting at 5.50, and then at 7 o'clock we've got our, our football betting show. So uh, please tune in, and I'll see you next week, Greg. See you later, guys. All right. Take care, everyone. <clears throat> hey, what am I doing? I'm supposed to be. Supposed to be. Wait a minute. I might, I might be still on here. There. Let me, <laughs> I think we both are. Yeah. <laughs> let me. Let me.